Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Men Feel. I am Andy Grant. <sighs> I'm an author, speaker, transformational energy coach, Akashic record reader, and a man. And I feel, hence the creation of this program. With me, as always, my co-host, Apio Hunter. Hey, hey, hey. And you are coming to us from the beautiful outside today. I am indeed. And just so you guys know, I might have to step in and out briefly because I'm having some technical difficulties that we're working on right now. And on that note, I will be right back because okay. <laughs> I'm being called out. All right. <laughs> this will be a fun show today, that's for sure. All right. We perhaps shall hear and see you again. Yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll join you guys again shortly. Okay. <laughs> and just to make it official, Apio is a man and also feels. So that's why he's here. Um, and, and this week, we are pleased to have a return guest in Sean Patrick, also known as that guy who loves the universe. How are you, Sean? And very well, thank you. I am a man and I feel. Yay. Thank you for having me on again. Yeah, we don't have many uh, qualifications for entry, but I guess that's about it. That, well, I don't know what, it reminds me of AA, you know, you just say, I am a man and I feel. I, I, I think it's a great movement. I like that. I, we might make that part of the regular thing. Yeah. I'll have to figure out some alternative when we do have the female guests. Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah. We'll figure out I'm a female and I feel. Yeah. And uh, I'm a female and I feel, and I enjoy men who feel. Maybe that's it. Absolutely. Well, I haven't met a woman who hasn't enjoyed a man who doesn't feel. Yes. <laughs> This is going to be an interesting show. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> well, well, let's dive into it and get it get it interesting. Um, last time Sean joined joined us, we talked about new age bullshit, which was all kind of the the rules that we that didn't need to be rules, and that probably didn't serve anybody. But so I, I really want to make today more about about your own journey because I'm I'm really interested in that and. Like, when did you decide to dub yourself that guy who loves the universe? Um, I decided to dub myself that guy who loves the universe a very short time after I went on my own Eat, Pray, Love style journey to Hong Kong. Oh. I was very young at the time, looking back, and I thought I was a lot older than I was. And like, in my head, I was 22. And it was definitely a time in my life where I was doing a hell of a lot of navigating my way out of my own anxiety and depression. Um, I'm doing that thinking that I was the only one this happened to. So being, you know, 22 and having no ties and having that zest for life, I went and I moved to Hong Kong for half a year and I just completely immersed myself in, I guess, all things spiritual and positive psychology related. And I really turned my own mental health around and the, I guess the product of that over the process was this Facebook profile called That Guy Who Loves the Universe, where I documented my daily musings with life. And, that's, and it went from there. So it actually came about because I was on my way to a conference and I was getting business cards made and I didn't know what to put as my job title because I thought, am I a life coach? Nah, am I a writer? Not yet. And I thought, well, how would people describe me? And I heard, you know, they'd say, oh, Sean, that guy who loves the universe. And that's where it came from. So did, did it really begin with, with pictures and adventures from that Hong Kong trip? Or is that just the beginning of your kind of waking up? No, to that, that was the beginning, I guess, where I became that guy who loves the universe. That was definitely all behind the scenes. The, that guy who loves the universe was a Facebook page, which was, it started out, I was posting, you know, doing a lot of shares of Wayne Dyer quotes, Louise Hay quotes. And then in a very short time, it became about, I guess, me and my own navigations through life. And that's definitely what it is now. So then, since it had this period and a start date, sort of, 
Um, is it safe to say that you weren't always that guy who loved the universe? Oh my gosh, it's, it's absolutely safe to say that. And like I just touched on before very, very briefly, um, looking into my, I guess, all my life pre-22, um, I just really did not have any grips, I guess, on my own mental health or my own inner world. And still definitely the case, you know, post that 22 kind of divider that, you know, I've had so many you know, battles with my own mental health, discovering so much more about happiness, peace and joy, but being doing it from a place which was very aware, conscious and evolving. Whereas I think I was just, you know, walking around in the complete dark before I was, before I took that journey and got my first kind of glimpse into enlightenment. I was just completely misguided, going through my life the way so many people do, where I was, you know, um, comfortably uncomfortable, uncomfortably comfortable, whichever way you want to put it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and I, I didn't really have, um, I knew I was unhappy, yet I didn't really have an idea I was unhappy, if that makes sense. I was yeah. just going through life without any emotional awareness. Yeah. And as well, I was unhappy. No, I, I can totally relate to that. I'm sure, yeah. I imagine everybody listening can, because <laughs> when, when you're unhappy, it would be it anxiety, depression, whatever's going on, if, if that's what you're used to, you think that's what life is. Absolutely. It's like I didn't really know anything else. So the fact I'd wake up in the morning and after a couple seconds, I'd have this gut wrenching feeling. That was just how I felt when I woke up in the morning. That's kind of all I'd been feeling. And it took it to get to, um, so I, the, I started to realize that, hey, I'm more than just jet averagely unhappy. And a hell of a lot of social anxiety started to creep in. Like I'd noticed myself sat around dinner tables and like, having dinner parties or going out for coffee with friends and all of a sudden you know I, I got really nervous to speak and I'd get so in my head and there was about 18 months of my life where I lived like a bit in fear of you know these public settings and having to have these even one-on-one -on -one interactions with with friends I was like I just became so socially anxious I now know that was you know a symptom of um, my depression my anxiety my, my feeling lost but that's when it that's the thing which made me actually stop and realize, hey, Sean, you need to, you need to go and get some headspace here. That, that was the cue. You know, it's interesting you should mention that as, as part of your journey because that's certainly an observation that I've made. It's so many of, of, of the men that I've worked with and just people mm -hmm. in general that I've worked with is that our society conditions us to be very unaware, to go through life on autopilot, especially emotional autopilot. And it's only when we get so far out of alignment with, with ourselves that you know, those, those, those drastic symptoms, the depression, the anxiety, the bipolar disorder, and all those things, which really are symptomatic of that misalignment that we've achieved. And it only takes that severe pain to get us to the point where we start to become more aware, kind of. And so your, your journey is, is not uncommon, really. And, and, and that's what I've come to learn, especially the older I get, I've come to learn. It's like, oh my gosh, so many people around me, so many people now are going through that same thing. But being 22, and I'm saying the same way, you know, so many younger people, it's like, it's like oh my God, this is just happening to me. And of course, then the pressure is so much worse and you feel worse about it. Whereas now I'm like, oh my gosh, you couldn't point to one person on the street with to me who I know has not had a bout of that horrible time. Nobody. But like I said, it's, it's so heightened when you're young and you don't know that you think this is just happening to me alone. Right.
You're very fortunate in that you were able to experience that at 22. So many people, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, and so many people in my generation are only now starting to realize that. Because really, I look at it as the consciousness of the millennials, that is the consciousness of the younger generations that's really starting to raise a consciousness of, of the older generations who are now starting to wake up and realize it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? There is, there's something that's way out of alignment. Right. Yeah, so, and, and that makes yeah. me think, you know, it, it's, it's a global thing. So I, I think, you know, the Gen X is, it's not about the fact they didn't get it early enough. It's more about the fact this is the time and space in which it's meant to be happening, whether you're yes. 75 or you're 15, this is the time. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a same schedule or pace for everybody uh, yeah, at all. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, this is the time it was going to happen. If you happen to be on Earth and be 15 at this point, or you happen to be on Earth and be in your 90s, this is a huge time of awakening. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And because and, awesome. now you, you, you speak internationally, you lead workshops and classes and seminars, right? Absolutely, I do. And it's around, well, it's, it's very interesting. And that's why it's great to be on this show. When I first started out, everything was about spirituality. And that was my interest. And oh my gosh, still completely is. And spirituality is, is the main thing which really pulled me out of my funk. But I've actually come to learn it's, it's so much more about making peace with your mind. And it's a, a, so much more about mental health. And I've come to learn that spirituality is and fantastic, amazing tool that I have in my toolbox, but the purpose of it being so I can have a healthy relationship with my mind and my life. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask you, what, what, how would you define spirituality? Because from my perspective, it can't be separated from you or your mind or anything like that. But no, Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and, I was, and I spent so long thinking, you know, oh, my work is about spirituality. So I only look at meditation and communication with the universe. And those were the things that I considered spirituality, all of which greatly helped and helped me, you know, stay happy, healthy, resilient individual. And I've just, you know, I, over the past couple of years, I got my master's in psychology. I read and experienced so much more in the field of psychology and positive psychology that I've really come to learn that I know that the reason why so many people, especially myself, would turn to spirituality is to help them make peace with their mind, make peace with their life. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and that's, I guess, the goal of it. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, so I have a background in depression and anxiety and suicide attempts and hospitalizations and prescriptions. And so I've met a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists. Yeah. And the ones that opened up to me would always share that they went into that field, chose it in college because they were miserable. And Absolutely. Was, you know, looking for some self-healing <laughs> that led them into it as well. So, and, and it's so true. And it's so interesting because I, I remember that um, when I actually finally sat down with the psychologist, I I don't think it was a psychologist, it was like a mental health nurse, but someone in that field anyway. And, um, and they explained so much to me about, you know, this is also, it's a big part of maybe your personality. It doesn't mean you're ill, it doesn't mean you're sick. And I found that so, so relieving because, you know, I, I guess I feel things on a really deep, great level. And that's very much part of me. That's part of Sean. It doesn't mean I'm ill. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm terminally whatever. So that, I find that so, so inspiring to me. And I guess for anyone listening and watching this, um, if you're someone who has, you know, um, depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever you want to call it, doesn't necessarily mean you're ill. There'll be huge kind of 
tweaks to that which can which really enhance like as a person you're probably pretty kick-ass and awesome because the the flip side of that is you would then have the extreme mood swings etc etc that's what i think anyway yeah and that you're you're very fortunate in meeting that person having that said and i i think and hope that gets said more and more these days i i would absolutely hope so i mean i i don't know much about i guess how it how it's handled with other people and what experience other people have had with, you know, mental health professionals. That actually was a question that I had uh, as far as your own personal interaction with other people in the mental health field, since yeah. technically you are a member of that field. How much interaction have you had on a professional level and how much resistance or receptivity is there within the medical profession, psychological profession anyway, as, as far as integrating spirituality um, with, with the practice of positive psychology or just psychology in general? Um, it's so interesting, and that's a great question, because also bear in mind, I'm in the UK, so we're also more reserved people. And I went to a lecture with the head of the British Psychological Society, and he is just a huge advocate, he's a huge activist in you know, removing mental health labels about, you know, if someone's got feeling down for a long period of time, they don't want them to have a diagnosis of depression, it's just about life. So he was like so liberal and so moved forward. And then one, and then I ran, it, I ran into him at a, at a Starbucks and I said, hey, I went to your lecture, it was great. And I said, I'm huge into the field of positive psychology. And he went, it's far too California for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's so interesting because the head of the BPS here in the UK, who, you know, is so far advanced and it's just so about mental health you know a social construction i want to remove all these labels when it came to the actual field of positive psychology it was that that was still like no you got to give them a different label present it you know english <laughs> yeah. absolutely but um yeah but i know like throughout my master's degree i i specialized in the field of flourishing mind mindfulness that that's how you get to you say mindfulness. Mm -hmm, so, yeah. um, I've come, yeah, I've come to learn that. Like, the word mindfulness is so hugely accepted when it, it's really a Buddhist. It's a Buddhist practice, and yeah, it's usually routed in spirituality. But you say spirituality, people get a bit uneasy. But yeah, mindfulness is the word people tend to go for. Uh, that's really fascinating because you know, my, if you listen to the people who are actual Buddhists and the actual practitioners of the faith, mm -hmm. they get twisted up some of them anyway get twisted up over the whole mindfulness thing because for them it's almost like a polluted pollution of the actual practice i i mean i i would agree with that because it's became it's became so mainstream which is a good thing i think it's a good thing um but they've turned it into i guess something clinical when it's not it's something you know sacred and the, and the practice is is more than a clinical one two three step but of course, to get it into something like the school system and, you know, the healthcare system, there has to, it has to be more, I guess, grounded in that science and that process. Mm. Um, and I just realized that I thought Appio was just so into what I was saying, but it turns out he's frozen. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, he's gone away again. Okay. So, yeah, mindfulness, I think in, I can speak on behalf of the UK, if you want to speak about spirituality and psychology, you know, use the word mindfulness. Hmm. But well, even well, you got your degree in the UK. I did. So it isn't just you there, then. No, it, it, it's not. It's not just me at all. And like I said, I had a wonderful supervisor who, um, 
you know, I, I, I looked at four areas for my master's degrees. One was mindfulness, one was emotional intelligence, one was spiritual intelligence, which I find very interesting, but still, so spiritual intelligence is still not considered an intelligence as far as psychology is concerned. There's a lot of research into it. They know the ability to um, feel something bigger than yourself, the ability to be able to navigate your own life in regards to a bigger thing. That is a lot of research saying it's an intelligence, but it won't, it's still not an official intelligence like emotional intelligence, but it's an emerging field and who knows. And then flourishing, which is you know, another hot topic in psychology, which is about how you optimally, optimally live your life. You know, are you thriving? Are you in social situations? Are you giving back? So all these things that I guess we know are byproducts of spirituality, spiritual practice, um, call different things, kind of avoiding the word. So I, I, I'm a student of positive psychology as well. And, and from what I recall about resiliency and, and thriving, it, what I loved about that field is we're, we're studying the top 1%. We're studying the outliers who are excelling as opposed to traditionally psychology seemed to study the miserable and the downtrodden. And let's Absolutely, focus on that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting. And that's what positive psychology brought forward where, you know, psychology until then looked at, you know, the best you can do is zero. You know, as long as you're not suffering, yeah. you're great. And positive psychology said, no, the best we can do is a 10, yeah. Not, yeah. not just to be absence of illness. Right. And it's fantastic. And then it's so amazing because, you know, you can look around the world now and there's so many teachers, so many practitioners, so many healers who are, you know, working with people to get from just the absence of illness to, you know, you can thrive and you can flourish. And that's exciting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, to study that, that brings it to everybody, gives us all like learnable skills and goals. Whereas Absolutely. if we just keep labeling and diagnosing, like that's, we're studying places where nobody wants to go. <laughs> Absolutely. And do you want to know what the most, I learned a hell of a lot on my master's degree, of course I did. But one of the things that never left me was, I was told that there are about 50 times more words for our negative emotions than there are our positive emotions. Wow. Because nobody gets happy and wants to analyze it. People get sad. And they really want to dig into why is this happening? Why did this come up? So in the English language, there's so many more words for the negative ways we feel than, than the positive ways. And, and that says a lot. Yeah. And that even kind of feeds the, the myth of needing to be the tortured, depressed artist and having all these problems if you want to create too, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, um, it's, and that's something I can relate to because I, I, I often can get so lost in my work or so you know, giving to my work, I noticed myself becoming, you know, depressed and anxious. And I think, hold up, in the name of being that guy who loves the universe, I can't, I can't give so much to it that I become a depressed individual. Right. And I think that's so, oh, it's, that's, that's, that's a great thing to talk about because, you know, I'm sure like me, you meet so many people who are in this world and in that industry, but, you know, sometimes what they're saying doesn't necessarily line up with, with, with who they're being. And well, one, because, and that, that, that's no fault to anybody because, because, you know, it's often what we're, how do I put this? Um, you know, you're presenting this ideal and people, I guess, can't be there all the time. But um, so often that when this becomes your career, it's going to come with the things that, you know, jobs come with. But one thing I definitely say is don't, don't become extremely unhappy trying to be the happy teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's one thing when, when I was just 
predominantly depressed, I thought happy people were happy all the time. And there was just, Absolutely. yeah. And that, and that's the, that's a big myth. And, and people that are happy to, to, to present that myth as reality doesn't help anyone either. So no, I absolutely. That. And I think that, that there was a time when that was like the topic If you know, every, every book you looked at where it presented it as a fact that this happened, you know, once you were happy, you were like tick box done and it happened all the time. But there's definitely a very obvious movement now within this world that we're in where, you know, people are being much more authentic in their own journeys. And it's yeah. things like this, having a show like real men feel, like having you who, you know, are as an energy healer and a, um, Akashic records. Is that the word? Yeah. Sorry. I don't, I don't, yeah. Um, so you, you, you know, you go into all these deep, amazing spiritual places and you're very open to say, and Hey, and I'm a man and I feel, and same here with me. You know, I run that guy who loves the universe. I have this huge, you know, zest for life and I want to feel and be in it so much. And that means sometimes feeling down, you know, staying in bed till midday because, you know, yesterday was tough right. and allowing the world to see that is so much stronger than giving this false illusion that you are just bang on all the time. It's the, hard the universe has, there's more than happiness and joy and love in the universe. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And you'd be missing out on so much if you only had happy. And yeah, I'm, and I'm all for, you know, people who allow themselves and express, I'm having a hard time right now. And what I need is for you to be there for me. Um, and what I need is for us to have this empathetic connection, not the, uh, well, you're depressed because you attracted this to you. Right. It's like, that yeah. doesn't help me. Yeah, that, that's the new explosion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, you made that universe for yourself and it's yours and keep it. And... Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think, you know, that doesn't help and that's not serving anybody. And I, I guess I don't know where I stand on you know, do you attract everything into your life? It's a whole new topic. But if someone's depressed and down and anxious, um, don't greet them by saying, well, you created this, you brought this into your life. Yeah, even if you believe it, even if it's cosmically true, <laughs> presenting yeah. it at that time doesn't help. Absolutely, like guide them out a little bit and maybe they'll come to that realization for themselves. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Because I, even at, at the level, I do believe we create, we attract everything, but it's yes. not consciously. So that doesn't mean you deserved it and, you know, yes. watched it. Well, some people do. I actually, I know there are times I want to stay in this depression and feel miserable. It's like it served me in some level. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right? But, but yeah, yeah, it's really important what you said. You know, we're not doing it consciously until we are. So yeah, yeah it's not helpful to say that to somebody. Right. So, so I know I've turned my life around. It sounds like you certainly have turned your life around. Can, can anybody learn to be a guy who loves the universe? Oh my, I, I absolutely think so. And the reason why I can say that is because I, I know if I can come from the dark places in my head that I was to the genuine place I'm in now, which was much more peaceful and happy with life and, you know, has a, has the mutual understanding with my mind, so to put it, you know, we now get on, we now, we now get on me in my mind. I think if I can do that, everybody can. And, um, I recently wrote a book called that guy who loves the universe. And in that book, it's narrated by, like I mentioned before, it's that short time I lived in Hong Kong, but the lessons that came my way. And I offer them, I guess, as somewhat starting points to anybody wanting to turn their life around from the misery to the, you know, the beauty that, that lies in. And a few of the things I mentioned in that book are, you know, lesson number one is understand that sometimes miracles and mayhem look the same. 
And so often in our life, something that we think is awful is happening, but actually it's the most wonderful thing in the world. And that happens so much for people when, I mean, the the famous saying is a blessing in disguise, right? Right. So um, we're so quick to judge our lives as this is bad and this is awful and this shouldn't be happening. When actually we could be getting served really well. So learning how to look onto your current circumstances as something good could be in here, being willing to see it differently. I mean, that alone will change your life, being willing to see differently. That's kind of the first pinpoint I offer. And the second one, which is something I guess we all know of, I say break up with your ego. And it's really interesting to think most of the reason you're depressed is because you're listening to the narration in your head that you're, you're, you're giving yourself. And I'm sure you can, you can speak a lot to that, Andy, when, when you're sharing, sharing your history. That so often we have this fictional drama, which is tragic going on in our heads, which makes us feel so badly about our lives. So learning to, learning to know your thoughts are always going to be there, but not necessarily listening to them. Um, that, yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, there's a great, I forget who originally says this, but just because you, your brain thinks it doesn't make it so. And, uh, Absolutely, right, yeah. but just cause, and, and just because your brain says something doesn't mean it's right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think, you know, as, as people, we, uh, we want to, well, would you rather be right? Or would you rather be happy? That's a good question to ask yourself because oftentimes we want to prove that, you know, this horrible story running through our head is, is the truth. And then, you know, we'll, we'll find, we'll find the information out there, which feeds that back to us, but it doesn't make us happy anyway. In fact, it makes us really damn depressed, but we get to be right. Right. But what, what's going to be right when you're miserable? Yeah. Yeah. When you really start loving the universe and embracing it and just seeing the possibility that there's a gift in your crap, you know, that's absolutely. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And that's, I'm a huge advocate for that. And I'm not interested in people that come to me with this shiny version of their, their self, which is just so polished and I'm so alive and so happy for life. And like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, and it's not that I don't buy it. I just know it's not possible. So I can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that I'm distrustful of people, but I just know that, hey, 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 that can't be. It's like someone coming to me and saying, you know, I don't need to sleep anymore or all them. And I'm like, well, no, it can't be. <laughs> right. It might be true in short periods or you can be the happiest you've, you've ever been. Yes. Yeah, it probably, it's probably not going to last the rest of your days, but, you know. And like we were just saying about positive psychology, you know, maybe sometimes you go down to the zero, you're completely absent of all the, all the illnesses, but don't, don't tell me and don't, don't put a nice cover on it and call it a 12 step program um, of how to be happy all the time. Um, One, I don't think it exists. And two, I don't think that's the best way to be because think how, you know, in that kind of, I don't want to romanticize sad moods but in them lower places a lot of guess reconsideration and navigating is done throughout your life so i mean they serve you they exist and i think we go up and down and we ebb and flow for a reason yeah in my personal experience you know if you get to be if you want to be happy all the time it probably means you're about to die like that's enlightenment you're done here you've you've felt all the emotions and now you're moving on to something else absolutely (laughs) And I know um, Marianne Williamson always says, which I find hilarious, um, 
And people go, oh my gosh, if I get enlightened, that means I'll die. And she always goes, oh, don't worry, you're not that close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a long way to go, relax. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, you're not that close. And that's something I guess we have to remember is do the best with what you have when you can mm -hmm. and, and you will be, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one thing that helped me, I think I, this teaching came more from, uh, from Abraham Hicks. But seeing, like, even because sometimes I mean, you know, life can suck and it feels Not that way and you're in the crap and it feels, but I just remind myself, all right, these are my temporary circumstances. Yes. And they will, they're always going to change. And even when everything's great, well, these are my temporary circumstances. They feel great, but they are temporary as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the universe really takes us at, at our own measure. So the, the universe wants to see, hey, how do we react when we have everything? And how do we act when we have nothing? Because sometimes, you know, it, and that, that's where being humble comes in, because you could, if you can show the universe, so to speak, that even when having everything and being full of joy, you know, there's that humility about you. It, the universe is like, great, two thumbs up. I can give you more now. Cool. And so, and to make it clear about how your book presents everything, it, it, you're not a traditional like how to do this and here's step one. It, it's oh my God, no, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely not. And, and I say that I say that in the in the introduction. I I offer. Um, the lessons that I learned to, to get through that time. But I say in the introduction, you know, I expect every reader is of an intelligence where they can apply the lessons of the book as they see fit. And I think that's really important because there's so many programs and 12 steps and whatever out there. And some, some are wonderful. So many are wonderful. And it's often very formulaic. And I think it's impossible to prescribe a formula for happiness because everyone's got such a unique journey. I think it's um, what's so wonderful is, you know, if people that can share their story with people and they can offer insights of what helped them and offer them as, as a gift more so than than a set of instructions so so in my book you know I, I share my philosophies i share the things that i learned and like i said i hand it completely over to the reader to say apply this as you see fit because you know you so much better than i'm ever going to know you mainly because you know i i haven't met most people reading my book i wouldn't know but what i can do is i can i can share my story oh good <laughs> and uh, what one of our listeners who was joining us live is just saying this is just what she needed. So, so thank you. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just what I know. Cause I know that I've, I've been under the covers for, for days. I've hated myself in the mirror and, and then, oh my God, this grace comes in and I, I move forward again for, for another stint. Um, and, and that's what the beauty and grace of life has always been for me. It's that moment of, I can't go on anymore. And then that voice of the universe goes, yes, you can. <laughs> and that's kind of, when Appia was on the call before speaking about, you know, that really heightened emotion time. For me, it came, you know, one day at work, I was working at the museum back when I was 22, all pre-Hong Kong, pre-my journey. And I guess I was having a panic attack. I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't really have that story in my head at the time. But I was in a place where I was like shaky. I just had to get out of my office. So, you know, I put on my bag, I rushed out. And, and I remember, and I wouldn't say it was the voice of the universe. And I say this in the book too. It wasn't like the skies parted and God spoke to me. But um, I had the thought which replaced all my other thoughts which was, Sean, stick around for your miracles. Like, there is good here. And, and I did, and thank God I did. 
And that's, that's kind of something I always remember that day when I was crossing the street where I was in panic, I was in anxiety. That voice of the universe, which came to me just as a very clear thought, which said, Sean, stick around for your miracles. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, have I been proved right by that voice ever since then. Like I, I, I oftentimes take for granted the life I have now, but oh my gosh, if someone had told me when I was 22 about this life I'd have now, it just knocks my socks off. And I'm not just talking about the, I'm not just talking about, I recently had my fifth birthday of that guy who loves the universe. And I made a post saying, it's been fantastic. I had the best selling book. I've spoken at conferences all over the world, all these great things. But it's not really been about that. It's been about the fact I'm now at peace with my head. I now can have successful relationships. I, you know, look after myself in diet and I want to, all them things. So when I say, you know, my life blows me away now, it's not just about the external circumstances, which I now get to live, which are amazing, but just the internal, my internal world is so, so happy compared to what it was. Awesome. Awesome. And, and what's been the, the general reaction to the book? Are you getting, oh, you're too California now? Or is it being um, well received? Or? Um, I know I, I'm, I'm not going to, the book is being very, very well received. And it's, um, oh my gosh, it's, it's a huge honor to hear from people when, when they'll share stories with me saying this is exactly what I needed. And what I love about the book is it's almost like in the self-help world, I feel it's a bit of a permission slip to say, hey, I'm a spiritual person and I feel depressed too. And I'm sure you get that reaction from your work too. And that's what I definitely wanted for it. I, um, I was advised by so many editors and so many people, I guess, in the publishing world to write the book from a me and you perspective because that's how they're written. So every time in the book I'd write, we all feel this way. I had editors say, no, you have to say you feel this way. And I had to put my foot down and say, no, this book talks about us as a we. And that's definitely been the reaction I've had from readers that say, thank you for speaking to me. You know, it almost brought me to tears. Um, I felt we were in this together. I went on this journey with you. And, and that's what I want. What more could I want like, than to have people feel like they went on this journey with me and to offer a permission slip to the world that it's okay to be a spiritual person, to be an enlightened person, and to have to take to your bed sometimes because you're really anxious and down. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, right. It takes, every, it takes all aspects of you as a person and makes them all okay and even more. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Abs where, whereas, you know, a lot of books um, don't necessarily offer that. They only offer the, the end product. And I was very much like, oh my gosh. But, and, and, and this is what I learned because so many people in turning to spirituality are doing so because they're in, you know, that down, sad place. It's not like, it's, it's not something people come to necessarily if their life is going extremely well. So therefore, it's great to have more books, more work out there, which talks about spirituality and, and the sad emotions. And I know Marianne Williamson just wrote a book called Tears to Triumph, which is exactly about that. That, you know, you can be a very spiritually enlightened person and experience all these, these darker sides. And that's what I addressed with my book. So I'm, I'm very happy it's, have that, it's had a, a good reception. But it's, in, but it's not, um, how do I, so people in the psychology world, I, I've not really, you know, necessarily conversed with them about it so much. <laughs> because, because I mean, I, um, 
I don't want to be in a position, you know, where it has to be defended. It very much just is what it is. But I was very, um, I was very happy the other day. I typed in, I typed in spiritual psychology into Amazon, and my book came up on the first page. And I was like, oh my god, because I don't mention anywhere it's spiritual psychology, so it's somewhere landed in that kind of category. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. Put my book under the name of psychology. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Amazon's pretty smart. They can. Amazon is pretty smart. It definitely is. <laughs> Cool. I just want to share the full title of your book, um, yeah. That Guy Who Loves the Universe, A Modern Tale of Setbacks, Second Chances, and Spiritual Enlightenment. That's it. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. And, and people can find that on Amazon and on the sites all over the world. Amazon, all over the world. Go ahead and download it and find me on That Guy Who Loves the Universe Facebook page. Link's in the book, but you can go ahead and find it right away. And I'm so happy to talk with everyone about it and, and you know their own journeys in this world. Absolutely. Super, super. Well, thanks for joining us again, Sean. I look forward to you joining us another time, too. Oh, I absolutely will. And I said it last time, I'll say it again. It's so amazing that a show like this exists because I guess what I'm the biggest advocate for is, you know, spirituality and mental health. And it's exactly what you're doing on this platform. So thank you for it, Andy. And thank you for having me. Beautiful. Thanks. And uh, so... Everyone, uh, if you're new to the show, if you're familiar with the show, you can learn more at realmenfield.org. We have a new Facebook page just about this podcast at facebook.com slash realmenfieldshow. Uh, you can sign up for events, get notified of all the future events. Um, we're, we're live each week on Tuesdays, most of the time. And then uh, you can find all the replays on YouTube and on SoundCloud and at iTunes. Um, next week, we'll be, uh, you can join us live next Tuesday, September 6th at 5 p.m. Eastern. For another episode, we're going to be joined by Boyson Hodgson. He's the Director of Marketing Communications for the Mankind Project. And I'm really excited because I don't really know what the Mankind Project means. I've heard of it, but we're going to find out. Have you familiar with them at all, Sean? No, I'm not, but I, I really want to know more. So, yeah, I'll be here viewing next week. <laughs> Super. All right. And we hope uh, you all are too. And until then, on behalf of Apio Hunter, whose technology has failed him today, we thank you for yes, watching buddy. and listening. And uh, again, thank you to Sean for coming. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for having me. Beautiful. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.